On today's episode of Crossroads, we'll be taking a look at two films about a ragtag team of misfits teaming up in a post-apocalyptic scenario. Join us as we discuss The Mitchells vs. The Machines and Army of the Dead. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. I'm Ryan, one of your hosts. And I'm Rob, your other host. And this week we're kind of breaking the format just a little bit. We're talking about two relatively new releases from the last couple of weeks, uh, both of which had theatrical, very minor theatrical releases and then went to Netflix. We're looking at The Mitchells versus The Machines and Army of the Dead. I wish we had more of a reason to compare these two because they're so new, other than we don't want to fall behind on recent releases. Yeah, and they're both really <laughs> fun movies, yeah. and th- there is a sort of an accidental connection, which we found just sort of ad-libbing earlier off mic, but... Uh, yeah, they're, they're a lot more similar than one might expect, and join us as we, as we talk about that. Yeah, um, do you want to start with uh, Mitchell's? Yeah, it's, it's slightly older. Slightly older, I think. What, three weeks older? Maybe not even that much. Maybe. Uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Uh, they're both pretty new. Um, actually, April when I went, 30th was yeah. the Mitchells. When I went to the theater to see Spiral, they were playing Army of the Dead, and I'm not sure if they are playing Mitchells, because uh, I didn't stick around to watch the scrolling marquee that long. <laughs> but, yeah, um, um, I know Army of the Dead is currently in theaters, and the Mitchells isn't, so I guess... But Mitchell's is the way to go first. Yeah. So Mitchell's versus the Machines is a film that is getting a lot of attention for Lord and Miller, who produced it. But it was written and directed by Mike Rianda, who also provides the voice for one of the major characters. So his name is or his input is all over this movie. Yeah. Lord and Miller had a heavy hand in producing because I thought they directed this. Their style oozes all over this film. It's got... If you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, it's got very similar animation to that. With it does. Just like little, let's say, garnish on some scenes and quick cutaways and characterization of things that don't really need to be characterized. But it works. Yeah, it's a really fun style. It feels somewhere between computer animated and hand-drawn, which is one of the things that I think made Spider-Verse so iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't feel quite as realistic so it feels a little bit more removed uh, it looks like there's not as much motion blur so it's a little bit more obviously fake yeah but a, also a big right, difference between the mitchell's versus the machines and spider verse is they were trying to make spider verse look like a comic book so they animated it on the twos so yeah. like every other frame was animated instead of every frame yes and that's not here in the mitchell's this is more of a traditional animated family film Yes, although Spider-Verse does break that a bunch of times, it's it's incredible that movie even flows at all. Just the amount of attention to detail in there is insane. But uh, there's also there's a huge attention to detail here as well. Yes. Um, and they also did the Lego movie, which was extremely popular. So if you've seen any of their previous works, the Mitchells vs. the Machines feels just like a Lord and Miller film, despite not being directed by them. Yes. And the... The writer-director, Mike Rianda, I'm not super familiar with his work. He worked on Gravity Falls and um, was a writer and a voice actor there. Yeah, other than that, he hasn't done much. And he only did, looks like, six episodes of Gravity Falls. Yeah. 
He did a couple short films, but it looks like he's been spending some time on this, and I think it shows. This is incredibly well thought out. The writing is sharp. The directing is fantastic. Uh, the characters are, despite everything, very realistic, and I appreciated that. Yeah, this film has a ton of love put into it. Uh, he sets up storylines in the beginning, and they never forget about them. Everything comes full circle, and it's just a joy to watch. It's very colorful, very fast-paced and engaging. Yeah. One thing that might put some people off is there's a lot of cutaway gags that... it. I think the most popular thing with cutaway gags these days is Family Guy, so it's kind of like that, but it's slightly more grounded because the main character is a aspiring filmmaker. So there's a lot of cuts between different events, which is cool. Yeah, and it, it kind of ties together on her character as a whole. It dives a lot into her past, like a couple years prior, and how she kind of gets to where she is in the current story arc. Because this, this movie takes place over, I guess, a present day and then throughout her life. It kind of shows her growing up in the family and being an outcast in her own family. And it's a family film, so you know by the end they all learn to love and appreciate each other. Yes. The, uh, the main conflict, though not the only conflict, is between uh, Katie, the, the older daughter, and Rick, her father. Uh, they just don't see eye to eye and looks like it's been going on for a while. She just can't wait to go away to school. And he cancels her flight to school, so they're going to drive there as a family. and As a sort of bonding trip. Yes, and that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of kids would just not put up with. Yeah, um, Katie goes into why she wants to go to school so early, or... She, she, her intention is to fly there in time for orientation and meet the friend she's met on, let's say, her Facebook group. And by being robbed of that flight, she doesn't get that chance to bond with these kids that she's going to be, be meeting throughout the semester. And um, that's a big part of college is orientation. That's where you're going to meet all your friends for at least freshman year. Yeah. And... You know, I, I would be upset if I didn't go to orientation. Yeah, especially since she had already met a few of them through different chat groups that she was in and was looking forward to actually spending time with them, which yes. I can understand. I went to college a little bit before cell phones were ubiquitous, let alone smartphones, so that wasn't really a thing. But I can imagine someone these days just, that's how you meet your people. Yeah, uh, funny story about my orientation. We went to um, like the meeting where you get split up into each major and then i met a couple kids right there and as we were walking away we're like let's get out of here so, <laughs> so we did our own little tour of the campus yeah and i'm fun. really i'm really glad that happened because i'm still friends with all of them great and i i can't imagine not having that experience in college yeah. like like I granted I went to school two hours away from my hometown mm-hmm. but if i had to fly and ended up doing a cross-country it just wouldn't have been the same. No. I, I lived on campus my freshman year, and I mean, it wasn't very far from where I lived, but I was glad to get away. And it was it felt like summer camp almost, orientation. Like, I didn't really know how to behave right away, because yeah. it felt like a bunch of people you never met before. And you're like, oh, well, what school do you go to? What grade are you in? But that's like a dumb question to ask, because you all yeah. go to the same school, you're all in the same year. So Yeah, it's definitely a different experience, and... 
honestly, I can't imagine doing it without cell phones and Facebook. So you and I, even just five years apart, had vastly different experiences. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Facebook was even ubiquitous until I was, you know, a couple of years into college. And I didn't even have an account until years after I graduated. <laughs> so yeah. uh we're, we're kind of avoiding talking about spoilers here because there, there's obviously the name implies something way bigger than what we're talking about. Yeah, um, uh, that's kind of the plot. So let's let's <laughs> stray away from the, the family yeah. drama and go into the actual story of the machines. Yes. So there is a company called Pal, which is sort of like Facebook meets. It's kind of like the, Apple, too. Yeah. Apple and Google and whatever Elon Musk's company is called. Um, yeah, it's all, it's just all these big corporate tech companies yeah. kind of merged into one. Yeah, imagine it's everything. And the guy who runs it is kind of a parody of Mark Zuckerberg. But, I mean, his name is even Mark, so it's, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah. And uh, he accidentally starts the robot apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the machines just want to basically enslave humanity and yes. run Earth. Yes. So there's these intelligent but kind of flimsy robots that take over everything real quick. And it's down to the Mitchells to to fight back. And I don't feel bad saying that because literally the first scene is a bit... It, it tracks a medias rest where it, there's this sequence of all of that in the first five minutes, and then it goes back and tells the rest of the story. Yeah. Normally, I don't like when that happens, but this particular scene was done in such a fun way, and it fit the rest of the movie, I kind of forgave it for it. Normally, when movies start like at the end and go backwards, that's an automatic minus one point for me. <laughs> I can see that, but I think with... With the title, you, you're kind of accepting that there's something crazy happening and waiting yeah. around half an hour, 40 minutes of character development, what I think would bore a lot of the target audience. Yeah, it's this is a family film, so you want to hook the kids right away. So there's a bunch of other fun little, uh, little things. Like Conan O'Brien was a voice of one of the robots, which I didn't know until I looked it up, but it totally and fits. Fred Armiston does a voice. A lot of great cast in this movie. Yeah. Like, even these people with one or two lines, they're really good. Yeah, but they, they did fantastic casting all the mm -hmm. way down, which is great. Yeah. Like, everyone involved in this movie had a blast making it, and it shows Clearly. in every frame. The animation is gorgeous. Even when it's combining multiple different styles and some of it's clearly supposed to be realistic and then superimposition and then hand-drawn stuff that feels hand-drawn and... All these different things, it's it comes together to form one cohesive whole. Yeah, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll watch anything Lord and Miller do. Everything they touch is pure gold in my eyes. Yeah. I feel like they were probably heavily involved in the, the story-breaking process, and yeah. it feels very much like their work, even though it's a different, ultimately creative voice. What I think may have happened is Michael... How do you say his name? Rianda? I, I've been saying Rianda, but that's just phonetic. So I don't know so. if that's correct. So what I think happened is Michael Rianda may have approached them with a story idea, and then they kind of took it and worked with him to give it a more distinct and memorable style. Yes. And so I, there's something I really want to talk about with this movie that I'm going to leave as a surprise for people who haven't seen it because it's 
crazy. If it's the scene I think you're talking about, <laughs> I don't want to spoil that for anyone. Yeah, so that, we're, we're not even going to do a spoiler talk for Completely that. by surprise, and it was hilarious. Yeah. But I do kind of want to give a bit of a content warning for this. It is a kid's movie. It's not you know going to scar anyone, hopefully. But if you're like me and you have a strained relationship with your family, there's moments that might hit a little close to home especially in the beginning with the way that the parents talk to the kids. It can be, it's a very realistic portrayal of that schism between parents who think they're doing the right thing, but don't really take the time to get to know their kids. And as someone who went through that as a child, it, it hit a little close to home and I actually had to stop the movie for a little bit, but I think it's definitely worth seeing and I highly recommend it. Yeah. The movie doesn't pull any punches with the family drama. Overall, I highly recommend The Mitchells vs. Machines. I typically really like kids' movies if they're well-made and well-produced and well-written. But there is a lot of garbage out there. And I think Mitchells and The Machines goes above and beyond a typical kids' film. Yeah, this is definitely worth your your feed in Netflix. It's a fantastic film that is better than 90% of the kids' films out there. Yeah, I would have loved to see this on a big screen. Yeah. Hopefully it gets re-released when theaters start reopening fully. I'll buy a 4K of this the day it comes out, too. <laughs> I'm sure it'll get a nice release, because this is definitely a thing to see on a big screen. The animation yeah. is definitely warranting that. All right. All right. You want to move um, on to Army of the Dead? Yeah. So let's uh, let's take a brief break for a moment, and then we'll move on to our second feature, Army of the Dead. On a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We're both too tired to sleep. So we took turns to stare at the window at the darkness till boredom overtook us and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a lie out of reading people's faces, knowing what their cards were by the way they held the rise. So if you don't mind me saying, I can see around faces for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bummed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You gotta know when to hold Know when to fall Know when to walk away Welcome back. We will now be talking about Army of the Dead, which is a zombie heist movie, which was directed by Zack Snyder and written by Zack Snyder and filmed by Zack Snyder. Yeah, he he shot this, wrote it, directed, and he probably had a big hand in editing. Yes, he is a very hands-on director, like a very technical director. And while he does have a standing editor that uh, works with him a bunch, he is often, uh, you know, really in there. Most directors are, but really in there and doing a lot of the advising. Yes, um, directors don't often do the physical editing, but they're almost always in the editing suite. For yeah, they large most of the time they have not final say, but close to final say. Yes, unless it's yeah. a quote director's cut. Yeah, and this film feels like 
he had a lot of I imagine Netflix probably had a final cut but he had pretty close to it yeah because this actually was uh, Mitchell's versus the machines was just distributed by Netflix this actually was a Netflix production which is nuts because this is actually a high budget high concept film which you don't normally see from Netflix productions yeah normally I think Netflix originals are almost garbage and this is above and beyond anything Netflix has produced themselves. In terms of budget and scope and yes. ambition and all of that. I mean, this is a $90 million production. And it basically takes place in an apocalyptic Las Vegas. And that could not have been cheap to produce. No. So let's get into basic plot before we start uh, yeah. talking about everything we love and hate about this film. Yes. So... You want me yeah, to we'll do, do a brief recap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Army of the Dead is about a group of mercenaries. They are mercenaries, correct? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. A ragtag so, team of, of fellows. Yeah. So, Army of the Dead is about a group of mercenaries that team up to rob the biggest mob boss in Vegas, but it's a couple years after a zombie outbreak. So Vegas is walled off. All the zombies are contained in Vegas and they're sneaking in and fighting hordes of the undead to get this money. Yeah. It's a, as, as far as heist films go, it's a pretty unique setup. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Ocean's Eleven a little bit where the owner of the casino says that he has already been reimbursed for the money, but he, he can have people go in and grab more of it and they will get a ton of money if they do it they'll get like a quarter of that which i think it's 200 million dollars so they'll get 50 million dollars divided yeah. any way they want yeah so they go in with a crew of like a dozen people or so yeah and it stars dave bautista as scott he's the main head of the mercenaries and he, yeah the first half of the film he's just assembling this team and you know he's kind of ripping everyone off but yeah, yeah it's this really funny <laughs> running gag where like he keeps offering lower and lower amounts to the people that he's asking mm-hmm. it's still like life-changing amounts of money but it keeps getting smaller and smaller yeah, it starts as like 75 grand and then goes down to 50 grand yeah. 20 grand yeah and in the beginning yeah. it's two million and then it's like a quarter of a million <laughs> it keeps yeah. going down. It's, it's very funny but, the movie actually does have a good sense of humor, which I appreciated. Yeah, it's not the typical grim, dark, like brooding Zack Snyder film. There's lots of color, lots yeah. of hope, and it, it feels different from his last couple works. Despite yeah. his last couple films being superhero movies, they were extremely dark and kind of yeah. different for a Superman and Batman mm-hmm. film. I have a theory about that, which I'll get into later on, about how that worked out. But yeah. despite everything, this film does feel oddly optimistic, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I had forgotten how good an actor Dave Bautista can really be. He's he fantastic. Because he looks like, you know, just a giant wall of muscle, and he is. <laughs> but he is also really able to summon quality emotion and move you. And he's mm-hmm. also, you know, he knows his way around a joke. Yeah, and after playing Drax for three, four movies, he kind of has that serious humor down to a science, and he brings that to the table in Army of the Dead. Oh, yeah. You you imagine this guy is probably hilarious in his private life. Yeah, I would love to meet him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about wrestling, but he's been just, you know, since he started, you know, doing real acting about 10 years ago, he's just been great. Mm Mm-hmm. Him and The Rock are both fantastic. 
I can't say the same about the other wrestlers turned actors. Uh, what's the, um, what's CM the... Punk, who we talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago, and he's too bad. John Cena. John Cena, I kind of respect him. I don't know if I think, think he's a good actor, but I kind of respect him. He's but, got a the... following, that's for yeah. sure. Yes. Well, anyway, to get back, uh, I'm, this, yeah. there's a, a really colorful cast of characters, what you need for a heist movie, yeah. and they're international. You've got... Uh, 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 I'm not sure if he's Mexican, Raw Castillo, uh, who's, you know, this kind of sharpshooter guy. You've got this German dude, Dieter, who is the safecracker. There's a French smuggler called the Coyote. A lot of the, or all these characters are so distinct and different. You can't help but caring for, yeah. I'm going to say most of them, because there's a couple I certainly did not care for. But when and if they die, it you feel it. Yes. Like you become attached to these characters. And one thing I liked about this that was not present in uh, Zack Snyder's Day of the Dead, what, or Dawn of the Dead, rather, which is unrelated to this film at all, um, is that the zombies, there's different, like, there's a hierarchy of zombies. Yes. There's a king zombie who is almost of human intelligence, maybe even smarter. And then there's, like, his minions, the alphas, and they are quick and intelligent as well. And then there's just the regular shamblers. You know more about zombie movies than I do. Is that in any other zombie movie um, that you can Not think of? that kind of degree. There are different zombie movies. Where there's like levels of zombie, but never something quite that distinct. Yeah. Where there's definitely like one king zombie. Um, there are ones where there's like a king zombie where if you kill that one, the rest of them get killed. Okay. The rest of them die. Um, Brain Dead is like that. Uh, okay. But I liked that. Um, it made things more interesting because the, the alphas are fast and there's some crazy action sequences and then there's just the regular dread of the slow ones and the yeah. world building is very very cool i wish that there was more done with some of the concepts the movie is two and a half hours and yeah. i kind of wish it was longer to get more world building because yeah. the, the movie's got plenty of action but i want to see more about this hierarchy of zombies i want to see more character backstories yeah. like it you know what it reminded me of a little bit is actually uh pacific rim Yes, how there is this we've just adjusted to this new world and there is this this walled off area of zombies and there are people who get people in and out of the city all the time. And there's this whole culture almost where the the shamblers, they call them like the regular slow moving zombies, they've largely been dried out in in the sun. But when it rains, they come back to life for a couple hours. Yeah, That's she awesome. mentions that in and the first never, 45 minutes, yeah. and they never go back to it. That's yeah. such a throwaway line, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. As soon as she said that, I was hoping for it. Yeah. How cool would that be where they're trying to escape, and all of a sudden a storm happens, and what they thought was them free and clear was all of a sudden, oh no, there's now millions of new zombies. Would have been so cool. Yeah. And part of me feels like they wanted to shoot that, but they ran out of budget. Yes, there's a lot of ideas that feel like they want to go somewhere or go a little further with it, and they get cut short. Yes, there's this whole subplot about uh, trying to help a refugee get out of the the city that does not go anywhere, and it made me crazy. Yeah, they just mention it in the first act, and then yeah. the final act ends and credits roll. Yes, this could have been like a miniseries, and I think it would have been very cool. I think a miniseries or do the Snyder cut of this and make it four hours. <laughs> make it four hours. Because at, at two and a half hours, there's still stuff that doesn't get paid off. 
And that's the thing with Snyder films. They're so long and ambitious mm. that the studio always makes them cut them short. And yeah. that's why he always does director's cuts and extended cuts and everything. Because yeah. he just has so many ideas that won't make it to the final film. Yes. Uh, for example, I mean, some of these characters, I could watch entire movies about just them. Like Dave Vander- Bautista's character. Yeah. Or Van- the pilot. Yeah, the pilot, awesome. Um, Vanderho, the uh, the dude with the saw. Oh, I would he was watch, awesome. Yeah. I would watch his entire movie because there's so much going on there. He's this like, murder for hire with a philosophy, I think doctorate or master's in philosophy. Yeah. And he has this big giant gas-powered saw and he makes everyone carry gas tanks so he can use his saw. <laughs> and it's like... Please, tell me more about this dude. It's, it's awesome. I also want to know more about the safecracker. He was such a fun character, too. And a different take on the character. Absolutely. And, like, a lot of these characters are very tropey in heist genres. But Zack Snyder really elevates it by making them distinct and have their own little quirks. Yeah, and they have realistic relationships where they don't always like each other, which is common in heist movies. But, mm-hmm. for example, the, the safecracker and... Vanderhoe become friends because they're both they both love philosophy. Yes, and um, uh, Tignataro, we should mention as as well, uh, actually replaced someone in the film. Yes, and uh, I don't know the exact reasoning for it. I meant to look it up and I just forgot. It's, but it cost a couple million to replace yeah. that actor. Yeah, uh, Chris Della, who had been um, some pretty credible accusations of some pretty gross things oh, uh, so yeah um some of the scenes when it was just her character are just shot with just her and she's get, spends a lot of the movie just getting the helicopter ready so that probably didn't take too much additional effort yeah but she's also green screened into some crowd sequences and even a couple of action sequences and some of the results are better than others yeah i wasn't really noticing it because at when i watched it i didn't realize they replaced that actor yeah and honestly i thought she was one of the better actors in the film i thought she was fantastic and her character was super fun yeah her eye lines don't always line up because she's on different areas and she's a little out of focus compared to other characters although that is a common thing in this movie it's shot in incredibly shallow focus a lot of the time that's a snyder thing snyder himself did operate the camera for a lot of the film um, he likes to get in and operate the camera. Some directors love to do that. Robert Rodriguez also likes to operate the camera as much as he can. Yeah, it, it really. I think it helps to frame a scene and really get the shot that the director is looking for. And Zack Snyder has such a specific vision for all his movies. Like, yeah. his he's all about framing. He has videos online where he talks about framing and aspect ratio and yeah. how to shoot for the edit and. I feel like it's hard to trust somebody other than yourself when you have that specific vision. I'm not sure if he still does, but he would often uh, storyboard a lot of his own movies, too. Um, Most directors do, at least rough drafts of them. Yeah, but I mean, he went to art school, I think. But the, the guy knows his stuff. Yeah, he's a very talented filmmaker. And yeah. say what you will about Zack Snyder, I personally really like, I'm going to say 90% of his filmography. Yeah, I don't much care for superhero movies, but that's also, I don't much care for superhero movies, but his zombie movies, I like a lot. I like this, I like Dawn of the Dead, they're very different films. 
I haven't seen his remake of Dawn of the Dead, but after watching Army of the Dead, mm-hmm. I want to go back and revisit yeah. it. It's a very different movie in a lot of ways. I don't think it's optimistic in quite the same way. Yeah. Uh, it is a bit more of a just a survival film, but I think it's a pretty well done one, especially since there were horror remakes that were just so ubiquitous at the time. Yeah, it came out when they were just remaking everything, and I was kind of burned out on zombies, and I didn't know who Zack Snyder was, so I yeah, passed it, was it his, by. It was his first film. He had yep. largely done commercials up until that point. Something else about Army of the Dead, uh, last thing I want to touch on, is the gore effects. Uh, for a zombie movie, it, these gore effects are disgusting. Yeah. Like it, It's not often you get a high-budget zombie film with really good blood effects. And yeah. even in the opening credits, blood pouring everywhere. Yeah. The uh, the opening sequence and the opening credits are phenomenal. The, That's uh, another thing yeah. Snyder does really well is opening credits. Yeah. Every it's, single one of his films. It's almost like a short film with no dialogue. It, yes. it, you get There's a character that only appears in the opening credits and you get a full idea of who this person is and it's really cool. And he also plays with his song choice too. Uh, I don't want to spoil a lot, but let's just say Elvis gets what's coming. <laughs> yeah, there's some really fun stuff. Um, it, this movie has a sense of humor that I appreciate, even though it's dark a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, the head zombie especially, but some of the alphas as well, are more interested in hurting or turning certain people than they are in feeding, which is interesting. So you see a lot of a lot of broken bones and a lot of um, of just like injuries mm-hmm. and things, and it's such a uh interesting way to go that i was really intrigued the entire time and there's Uh, characters who you think are long dead that come back in the final act as zombies and that's something we don't see a whole lot in zombie films yeah actually that does happen does (laughs) it in dawn of the dead that does happen as well um i don't watch a ton of zombie movies yeah, so, I, I do. Correct me I, if I'm wrong. <laughs> I uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big zombie movie guy. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just over zombies. But this gave me a a fresh breath of life. Yeah. So I I, I kind of want to check out some other classic yeah. zombie. Films. I think uh, I think it did for Zack Snyder as well. He uh, had a well publicized comedy tragedy a couple of years ago, and it looks like he kind of went through the motions for a while, but mm-hmm. then just kind of retreated in with his family and. This was a movie that had been stuck in development hell for a decade or more. Yeah. And, and this is the second Snyder film to come out this year. And yeah. the first one was his extended cut of Justice League. And he has a pretty devoted fan base. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that really helped to get him back into the filmmaking after what happened. Yeah. And this was the first film that he had like fully from beginning to end completed since that happened and i think it kind of made him fall in love with filmmaking again there's a yeah. there's a half hour documentary on netflix about the making of this movie and he just looks like he's having a blast and it's great to see after the kind of stuff that he had to go through i meant to watch that is that worth checking out i thought so but i love those kind of things even though yeah. if you've watched one you've watched them all basically yeah <laughs> but like i saw it, i saw it pop up after watching this i'm like eh, i just watched two and a half hours of this <laughs> yeah now, I watched this movie twice this weekend. I probably will watch it again at some yeah. point. I, I like zombie movies, though. So Again, similar to the Mitchells vs. Machines, I really hope this gets a DVD release. Yeah, I imagine it will at some point. Uh, it might even get an extended release. but I it hope is. it does. 
I I want a four hour cut of this. It might exist. There's a ton of other stuff going on. Uh, there are talks of there actually being a prequel about Scott Ward, Dave Bautista's character. That'd be which cool. But I am you know definitely into seeing. I'll check it out, but I think it's kind of unnecessary. We get a lot of his backstory in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, oh, it took 14 days to shoot uh, Tignataro, which is interesting because she's not in a ton of it. Maybe but, it was rebuilding sets. Yeah, true. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I would recommend both of these films with the caveat that, you know, oh, I talked about some trigger warnings in Mitchell's and this obviously is a zombie movie and you'll know if this is for you or not. Yeah, it's... I wouldn't say there's anything out of the ordinary from a typical zombie movie, but yeah. it, it does get pretty violent because it is a Zack Snyder film. Yes, and even even in the case of Shaun of the Dead, the funniest zombie movie there is, all zombie movies are basically tragedies. So yeah. you'll know if this is for you or not. Yes, but... I There is an upcoming anime streaming spinoff of Army of the Dead. Dave Bautista, El Purnell, Ana de Reguero, Tignataro, and Omari Hardwick have already signed on to reprise their roles. That's awesome. Do we so, know if it's a spinoff or a sequel? Or uh, a it is a spinoff revolving around the early phases of the zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. The series will center on Scott's origins as well as his and his comrades' rescue efforts to save mankind. That's cool. Rose, who's a new character, will serve as the protagonist, Joe Man- Manajello. Man- um, Joe Mangiello? Yes. He played Deathstroke in yes. Justice League. So that's cool. Uh, this was just recently announced within the last couple of days. That's awesome. So yeah, I am here for that. I'm all I... for more anime. I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about a Netflix-produced anime, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, it is being also being produced by Stone Quarry, which is Zack Snyder's uh, production company. Which I think is a better name than its original name, uh, Cruel and Unusual Films. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think the Stone Quarry is a better uh, a better title. Yeah, Zack Snyder was uh, pretty edgy 10 years ago. He so. was, and I think he's calmed down a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I think he got a lot of criticism for a lot of his films yeah. and kind of took that to heart and bettered himself. Yeah, so I'm definitely intrigued. But there's a pretty substantial cast. They must have been already working on this for a while. It must have been an idea, and then once it got rave reviews. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure Army of the Dead reviewed fairly well for a zombie film. It, it did. It, um, I don't know precisely. I think the tomato score was like 80, maybe 75. Yeah, I mean, it's got a, a 6 on IMDb, but I think it's... That's pretty high yeah, for IMDb. I mean, for IMDb, and I think this isn't... Snyder's typical output, so I think a lot yeah. of his diehards might even not like it very much. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was great. I recommend it, flaws and all. It's got warts, uh, but yeah. I, I had a lot. I had a blast with it. Um, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Uh, um, yeah. Completely agree. Everything you said about both films. Um, seek both out. They're both on Netflix, mm-hmm. free to watch with a subscription. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about what we wanted to do for next week. I have an idea. What's up? Quiet Place Part 2. I am down for that. Okay. Uh, I have no idea what to pair it with. Quiet Place 1? Um, we could. Or um, we could find another, yeah. si- like an older silent. Ooh. Inv- yeah. Ooh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That, or um, Day of the Earth Stood Still. There's a bunch of things we could, oh man, but then 
there are some really good versions of body snatchers. I know the '80s well, version. Yeah. We'll discuss oh, the the one with um, uh, Keith first Sutherland's father, um, Donald is that, Sutherland. Is that the '40s version? That's the '70s one, I think. '70s. I've That's seen the '40s version, and I think the '80s version. I think the '80s version is the one that I'm thinking of. I or think late right. '70s. It is. It is a very effective, effective film, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, me too. I need an excuse to see it this weekend. So yeah, like Marshall, which we discussed a while back. This was partially shot uh, near where we live in yes. uh, in a town called Akron. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what that looks like. Yeah, they won't stop showing the commercial here in Buffalo. So <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to see the film. It's been over a year. Yeah. The trailer looks really good. Yeah. It might be one of those few movies that like really stands up alongside the sequel. And that's what uh, early thoughts are saying. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you for joining us at The Crossroads. The Crossroads podcast is hosted, recorded, and produced by Rob Kolb and Ryan Hall. The Crossroads theme is written and recorded by Caleb Dorr. Featured music this episode is The Gambler, written by Don Schlitz and performed by First Aid Kit. Talking. Yeah, the, the, these <laughs> microphones are really sensitive, and they're somewhat outside, down a floor, and I can hear them. So, hopefully, noise reduction takes that <laughs> out. <Yeah. laughs> Unrelated to anything, um, Tignataro is married to someone that I went to elementary and middle school with, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, that's I, fun. Like, we weren't really friends. Like, we were in a couple classes together, and uh, her name is Stephanie. She's changed her last name, so I won't give it away, but. Yeah. Uh, um, you can look up, you know, what she changed her name to, or maybe I knew it by a different name. But anyway, yeah. um, she That's moved. Interesting. To, yeah, she moved to California at the end of eighth grade or somewhere around there, and I didn't really know anything about what happened. And then, like, oh, Tignataro, this famous comedian, is married to this person I went to uh, elementary and middle school with. That's fine. That's cool.